One of the things I love about the teachings of Christ uh, as we're going through those this whole year is how he'll use things that are so simple and commonplace and ordinary to convey to, convey to us uh, spiritual truths that are, in many ways, beyond comprehension. Um, and today, Jesus uses this imagery of light and darkness to help us understand not only ourselves, but to understand God. So let me begin by saying, when it comes to darkness... We as city slickers, close to a big, you know, urban area, we just don't really know darkness until we get out of town. Am I right? Like, when's the last time you got out of town and you went away and you were walking through the forest camping and it was dark? Like, can't see my hand dark. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we um, went up to Silver Birch Ranch, many of us for our Harvest Family Camp. How many of you went to family camp at Silver Birch Ranch at some point in the past? It's an amazing opportunity to just get away on a retreat. But I tell you what, even walking back to your cabin at night, you're like, whoa, I got to get a light on here. It's so dark, I can't see. Uh, And this, you know, this is, of course, Pastor Brandon's last year up at family camp with us. So uh, I tried to think of ways to make his last family camp memorable. One of the ideas I had came to me last year. You see, they have this evening event at 10 p.m. called Midnight Delight. It's called Midnight, you know, the 10. But you get in a canoe, you go out to this island that's in the middle of the lake, and you and your wife and a couple, just a handful of other people from the camp, roast marshmallows and have s'mores and tell stories around the campfire. It's nice, romantic. You're on an island and it's night and you're sharing stories. But it's at 10 p.m. So by the time you're done at about 11, 11.30, you've got to get back into that canoe and roll back, and it is pitch black on the lake. The only thing guiding you back to shore is this little light that you have to try and like get to. But when we did it last year, I thought to myself, man, this is so freaky. I feel like I'm in a horror movie. If anyone was in this water, I would... And then I got an idea. So I noticed that Pastor Brandon and Shannon and Pastor Jeremy and Heather and Jordan and Karen and a bunch of people who we love signed up for this event. Jake, you know, he was there too, and Denise, and they, they went out to this, they were going to go out to this island at 10 p.m. and not come back on their ski. And so I went to a few friends and I said, guys, you want to have some fun tonight? And, uh, and we got a picture here, what we did. We went down to the boathouse and got in wetsuits and got flippers on. Uh, and somehow Dan Artis just had that mask with him. Uh, but <laughs> is anyone surprised? So, and, and, and we went out by the lake and we waited to hear in the distance them finish coming back down to their boats. And then we just got in the lake and drifted out. And drifted out. And, and we were just going to, as they, as they came by, we were just going to reach up and grab them. Right from the water. <laughs> but the primary target was Brandon. So we said, you know, if the first canoes come by and it's not Brandon, we can't be like, because then he's going to hear. So we got to be quiet, you know, just reach up and grab their hand. (laughs) So we got out there, and what we did not account for is we couldn't see anything. (laughs) We're flipping out there, and then I'm treading my, you know, I'm up to my nose in water, and I'm like, Dan, I can't see anything. And, and before we knew it, like Jeremy and Heather's canoe was right by us and we couldn't even see the whole canoe or them. We're like, who is that? We don't know who that is. So we just kind of floated up and, and Heather was like, there's someone in the water. <laughs> so we got them, but we're like, Shh, where's Brandon? And then, uh, and then Jordan and, and Karen came by with Jordan's parents who were, and they went right on the, either side of me. And I 
chose not to kill Jordan's parents. Rather, I scared Karen. She's like, who are you? Who are you? But, but we're, like, we're like, where's Brandon? And then, and then they look down and they're like, oh, at the last minute, he decided not to come. He's back at his cabin. So we're like, no, we could have like tipped Jeremy, but instead we just blew it. All right, I don't know, when, when you think of darkness, I don't know if there was ever a time where you were in pitch black, car broke down, or in the middle of, I don't know, but channel all of that darkness, scary, black, dark, whatever. You need all of that to understand what Christ is going to teach you today. Jesus said to his disciples something that was profound. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then he showed his disciples that he was the light of the world by healing a blind man. Today we're going to hear that story. Today we're going to learn that truth. Let's pray and then we'll get into the word together. Lord Jesus, you claim to be the light of the world. Your disciples didn't understand it, so you proved it. And today I pray that to each person in this room, you would prove that you are the light of the world. That you would help us to understand what that means, that our world needs a light. What that means, that we need you to see. Help us understand that truth today in your name. Amen. Okay, turn in your Bibles to John 9. John 9. And in John chapter 9, understand that throughout the book of John, he uses this imagery of darkness and light to convey spiritual truths. Uh, And it's no different here. And in John chapter 9, we meet a man who was blind from birth. Uh, So imagine that's your life. Your life is you, you wake up, but you never open your eyes. You never have. You've never seen anything. You don't know what anything looks like. People can describe it to you, but you don't even know what sight is. You don't know what light is. You have never seen anything in your entire life. Somebody perhaps helps you to get to the place where you beg, the street corner that you're at, and you make a living by begging at the mercy of other people. That's your life. It's always been your life. It'll always be your life. Nothing can ever change that. John chapter 9, it says this, As he, that's Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Don't you love that? He saw... A man who couldn't see him. I love, this is such a portrait of God's loving election that he would see someone who can't see him. That he would look upon someone who's not even capable of looking on him and then taking divine initiative to change his life. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They assumed if you were punished back then that you had it coming. If something goes wrong in your life, what did you do? And they're asking Jesus here, who blew it, him or the parents that God zapped him with blindness? Surprise answer. Verse 3, Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. All right, understand this. Here's here's the controversial truth that Jesus just spoke about this world. 
You were born into a world immersed in darkness. Not physically, spiritually. You were born into a world that is so dark, you are blind to the realities of God around you. The only hope you ever have of seeing the true reality of God and your true condition is if the light of the world stands in front of you and helps you see. You see, the sun helps us to see everything around us and ourselves. That's true physically, but that's also true spiritually. It's the Son of God who is the light of the world. And here the disciples look upon this blind man who has only known darkness his entire life, and Jesus says, yeah, that's your world too. In fact, this whole world is darkness without me. Jesus says something interesting. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me, that's God the Father, while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. What did he mean by that? He meant this world is dark without me. He meant your world is dark without me. Take me out of your life, take me out of your world, darkness. And night, he actually is predicting his own death here because when Judas goes out to betray Jesus, John says, and it was night. And Jesus even called this, this is your hour, the hour of darkness. He was looking ahead to the time when the light of the world would be killed by the darkness. He's making a statement about your world around you. He's saying your world is dark, you were born into it. And he's also saying your world hates the light of the world. In fact, we're going to get that light out of this world by crucifying him. All of this spiritual truth is tucked into this little introduction. Then, Jesus told them it was true, I'm the light of the world. Then he proved it. Look at verse 6. It says in verse 6, Having said these things, then he did something. He spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Wow, what was this like? This guy had never seen anything, and this random stranger comes up to him, and, and he hears something, and <laughs> it's something gross. <laughs> Do we have any germaphobes here? Like you wash your hands and wish others did? Anybody? Anybody you really appreciate hygiene in the world? And the thought of Jesus saying, hold still, as he lathers this spitty mud on this guy's eyes, you'd be like, ah! Right? Right? Okay, but honesty time, moms, how many times have you ever used your own saliva to clean something off of your child's face or to fix their hair? Hands up! Don't judge. <laughs> Jesus makes this muddy paste, goes up to this blind beggar, smears it all over his eyes. I bet you can figure out what he's doing spiritually here. He's, he's adding to this idea of blindness that there's this filth covering the eyes from seeing. And, and in his grace, he approaches this helpless blind sinner. He touches him, and then he gives him an opportunity to obey. He says, go and wash. So now you see a portrait of faith. Get up, go over, wash. That's a portrait of repentance. Wash away your sin, and then you can see. And what does he do? This blind sinner gets up and he goes over to this pool. 
this is actually a bit cruel on the part of Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, first of all, he doesn't say, poof, have your sight back. He smears this spitty mud on him. Then he doesn't say, let me wash that off for you. He says, go find this pool. Where's this pool? Is it like three miles down the road? I mean, like, he's got to cross intersections with this like mud on his eyes. He's already blind. Can somebody give me a hand here? I'm trying to find this. <laughs> like the next time you help a blind guy, tell him, okay, just cross LaGrange, okay, head to the Costco, and then find a sink. Good luck. I mean, Jesus basically just lets him go. And he goes. He's trusting and obeying the commands of a man he's just met. That's a portrait of faith. The guy goes to the pool, and it says here, he went and he washed and he came back seeing. You can write this down. This is the spiritual lesson we get from this, the first one. Look at the light of the world and you will see. Look at the light of the world and you will see. What this blind man did is what each one of us must do. We must understand that there's filth, there's sin, there's, we're blinded by the darkness of this world and by our own filth, and we must repent, we must go to the water, we must wash away by Christ's command what stands in the way of us seeing, and then we look upon the light of the world and we see. Wouldn't you love to spend the day with this man? Wouldn't you love to just sit next to him as he's begging, knowing what's coming, this is going to be his best day ever, and he doesn't even know it? And then Jesus comes by and wipes it, and then you're like, I'm going to follow him, I'm going to follow him. And you follow him to the pool, and he gets to the pool, and he bends down, and he washes his eyes, and then what's it like to see everything for the first time? He's like a kid. He's never seen grass. He's, he's never seen anything. He's never seen dog. He's never, that's what a dog looks like? That's blue? Those are clouds? That's... Like the childlike wonder that must have filled his eyes. He must have been like, what is that? How is that? And some things must have looked pretty funny to him. He probably was just kind of like, <laughs> he saw everything for the first time. Wouldn't you love to just be there? Just be like, Listen, this had never happened in the history of humanity until the New Testament. It had never happened where a person who was born with defective eyes that never worked, boom, they were turned on. The medical miracle alone is astonishing, but the spiritual truth behind it is even more astonishing. Jesus, the light of the world, says he needs to do that for you. Your spiritual eyes were defective at birth. If you don't look upon the light of the world, you'll never see the world around you as God wants you to see it. You'll never see God as he wants you to see him until you look upon his son, it's profound. Jesus is the light of the world. And he proved it by giving this man his physical sight back. Well, this is amazing. What happens next? Look at verse 8. The beggars, or the neighbors, and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. This is, this is really funny. Hey, it's me! I can see. It's not you. 
you're not that guy. I've known you. You're a beggar. No, no, no. It's me. My eyes work now. No, it's not him. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's me. Nobody believed it. They're like, you're different. There's something different about you. So they said to him, verse 10, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. I've had my sight for 10 seconds. I just told you. What do you mean, where is he? I don't know. Aren't you listening? He's getting, you know, it's like these people are like, you're not even you. you because he's so different. Hey, write this down. Here's the second thing we see here. Tell people that Jesus changed your life. Look upon the light of the world and get your sight back. And then guess what? Tell people that Jesus changed your life. This guy's a role model to us. It's his like first day as a Christian. And he's so, effortless, he's so effortlessly naming the name of Jesus in casual conversation. He said, you know what? Jesus did this to me. You know, just look back over the last couple of weeks, the last month, and just ask yourself, how are you intentionally just working the name of Jesus into your regular conversations? Not being obnoxious about it, not being militant about it, not like, oh, I'm going to get out my five-page testimony, and then I'm going to trap somebody in an elevator and tell them the whole thing. I mean, naturally, courageously, gratefully, just saying the name of Jesus as you tell people about your life and what's important to you and what's on Facebook posts, in, on Twitter, or even in your text messages or your emails, just putting the word Jesus in there when it's fitting and appropriate. Are you doing that? I think of our high schoolers who are about ready to get back into classrooms and public schools in particular. Are you going to be intentional about saying the name of Jesus to other people? I don't just mean saying, yeah, I go to church. I don't just mean saying, yeah, I'm in a Bible. I mean saying the name Jesus to tell people he's the one who changed you and he's the one who is changing you. It takes effort. It takes courage. And then people will see that you're different and they'll wonder why. What happened to you? You're different. We can't figure that out. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. This guy named Jesus just came into my life. He changed my world and it's It's unbelievable. You're going to have a chance to tell people that Jesus has changed you. Hey, listen, this is a good place for you to evaluate your own past. I mean, if Jesus hasn't changed you, he hasn't saved you. Like if we sat down and I said, tell me how Jesus has changed you, could you share with me right off the top of your head three, four, five ways that you're different because you're different. You're different. And can you tell me those things? Could you tell me, you know, I mean, I had a volcanic temper and my kids got it and my wife got it and my boss got it and then Jesus or my craving for gossip and slander was so immense and then when Jesus came, he changed me and he helped me to tame my tongue and to wash my ears or, or I was so filthy greedy and I just money every day, Saturday, Sunday, money, money, and then God taught me contentment. I mean, has Jesus changed you? And I don't just mean at the cross initially. I mean, ongoingly, has he, has he built new virtues into your life? Like, yeah, mercy and compassion. I had none of that before Christ, but he's taught me over the years how and when to show those things. Christians, whether you were saved at a young age or whether you were saved middle age or old age or whenever, 
There's going to be stories of how Jesus has changed you and how he is changing you. You're under construction if you're a follower of Christ. And here, these people who were in his inner circle saw it. You're different. Well, word got around to the religious authorities. And they wanted to bring this guy in for some... Uh, <laughs> can you imagine? They got put my sight back! That's amazing! I want to go see a bird! And then they're like, come with us. Uh, the religious authorities would like to question you. What? I'm having the best day of my life! What do you mean they want to question me? So then he goes in. Look at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees... The, those are like the local synagogue pastors. Okay? They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. for He does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how could a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there was division among them. They said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. Now he's telling the religious authorities that Jesus changed his life. He's a, he gets called in from his best day ever, and he gets put on this little mini trial. Well, uh, you see, sir, this is a Sabbath, uh, and we have rules on the Sabbath, and actually this man should not have healed you on this day. To which the blind man's like, oh, okay, I'll, uh, I'll just go find him and ask him to give me my blindness back for another day. How, like, heartless, harsh unkind, for Jesus to give this guy something and then for them to be like, he's breaking our rules. What? How pathetic is this? Uh, When you tell people that Jesus changed your life, listen, don't be surprised if it's the religious people who give you a hard time. Calm down about this. We're not even sure what to think about this life change and how it happened. And they're like, tell us how it happened again. And Jesus, and they're like, oh, you don't know how to think about that. It's the religious people who are going to give you a hard time. It's the people who claim to go to church and know God that are going to be bothered by how you're different now. Why? Because they don't have the real thing. And you're bringing conviction into their heart. Don't be surprised when your changed life causes division in your family. Don't be surprised when your changed life causes division among your work relationships. Listen, Jesus says, I came into the world to bring division, to bring a sword. He will divide family members. But you still have to tell people about it. Well, things started to escalate here. Things started to escalate here because he told people Jesus changed his life. And then things started escalating. So he gets dragged in once. And then look at verse 17. It says in verse 17, so they said about him, he said, he's a prophet. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight. So <laughs> this guy comes in, tells his story, he, and then he goes out. And they're like, what do we think about this? Hmm, I think he's lying. I don't think he was really born blind. I think he's just making this up. He's just making this up. Let's, let's bring in his parents. Let's find out if he was really born blind. Because we don't even believe that he was born blind. So they haul the guy's parents. He, he had to go get his parents, which would have been kind of funny. Because he's never even seen his own parents before. You know, he's like, excuse me, can you say something, please? Ah, mom, all right, good, come with me. Where's dad? Let's go. Brings his parents in, and then it seems like he at least steps out of the room. They bring the parents of the man who received his sight, verse 19, and ask them, "Uh, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, you know, this is our son, 
and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Uh, Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Now, John, the Apostle John who wrote this, gives us a little extra information here. He says, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. What's that called when you know something is true and you say you don't know that it's true? Lying. Why did they lie? Because they were playing the part of the cowardly, fearful witnesses who wouldn't give glory to Christ for a life that's been changed around them. The Pharisees won't give Jesus the credit because they think he's a sinner. The parents won't give Jesus the credit because they're afraid of what it'll cost them. The blind man, he won't shut up about Jesus. Jesus did it. He's the one who did it. He doesn't even care. This is good. Write this down. Here's the third thing. Look at the light of the world. You'll see. Tell people that Jesus changed your life. Number three, endure conflict and opposition for Jesus. If you start telling people Jesus changed you, you will get thing, you'll get abuse heaped on you. It will get hot and tense around you. And don't be like the parents who were afraid oh, this could cost us something. If we really tell the truth and we name the name of Jesus, we're going to get in big trouble. They're going to put us out of the synagogue. Bad example. Good example. The blind man, he just says it. He just tells him what happened. We've all been afraid of sharing our faith at some point in life, right? <laughs> when I was a teacher, before I was a pastor, uh, in a public school district, they'd before the school year started, they'd get all of us teachers into one room, right? And then they'd bring in some motivational speaker to fire us up to get us ready for a whole year where we would be taming savages. So they, <laughs> there we were sitting, and this one motivational speaker came, and he got us all revved up, and then he decided to do an interactive thing. He said, I want to know, because teachers influence. He's like, I want to know the person who most influenced you in life. And then he started passing a microphone around. And all the teachers, hundreds of people, all the teachers in the district were here, and one by one they started sharing the person who most influenced them in life. Now you would think, future pastor, of course I know what to say, and I'm not afraid to say it. I was like, get that microphone away from me. It's coming close to me. I know the name I have to say. I know exactly who it is. Oh, what are people? I'm sweating. I'm getting fearful. I'm like, how do I say it? What do I say it? There's all the teachers in the district. This is my first year. What do I fear, 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 fear? And the microphone was going around, and then, it, and then it didn't get to me, and I was kind of relieved. And then after it, I was like, what was that, Christian? Like, get up and get the mic. I mean, where was my courage? I just felt ashamed. Like, why was I so nervous about that? Why wouldn't I say, give me that mic? I want to tell people that Jesus changed my life. I mean, we struggle, right? We struggle to share our faith with courage. We get nervous at what people will think if we actually raise our hand in class and say, I disagree with that and I have another opinion. We get nervous, right? The parents are kind of an example of what not to do. The blind man who now can see is an example of what to do. He's been a Christian for like an hour, and he's like, Jesus, he's just sharing it. Well, it gets real interesting because they bring the blind man back in again. Uh, Look at verse 24. So the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. 
We know that this man is, this is really funny. He's back out having the best day of his life, and then he gets called in again. Hey, 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 they want to see you again. What? What? And then he gets hauled in, and he comes in there. He's just like rubbing his eyes, and they're like, um, we have some questions for you, sir. And they're like, what, what does it matter? What are you doing? And he's like, don't look right at the sun. I mean, if you look right at the sun, it stings, okay? Don't, whatever you do, don't look at the sun. And they're like, okay, thank you for that. And then they start drilling him with questions again. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. We, we, we have our ways of knowing that this Jesus is a sinful person. So tell us the truth. How'd you really get your sight? Tell us the truth. Tell us what really happened. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Wow. The religious leaders would not see it. They wouldn't look at the obvious. Jesus did it, and it ruins your textbooks. Because you say Jesus isn't the prophet, the Messiah. You say sinful people like me shouldn't be healed. Your textbooks are all ruined. And the Pharisees didn't want to see it. They didn't want to see the truth about Jesus. They didn't want to see what really happened to this man. Verse 26, they said to him, what what, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Let's take it from the top. This is really funny because now this guy gets sassy. He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Man, my eyes were bad, but your ears are bad. I mean, what's going on here? I already told you. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they got mad. Then they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. And if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. You filthy, pathetic, blind, handicapped sinner who got judged from birth. Get out of our presence and never talk to us again about this other sinner, Jesus. They were ticked. And they would not listen to the truth. So you've got a blind man who can now see. And one of the things, in addition to all the other fun things he sees on his first day of life, is he sees the blindness of his religious leaders. And he's astonished by it. You can't see where this guy came from? Anybody can see that. He just gave me sight. And Jesus uses this weak outcast to shame the religious leaders. And their unkindness and their unloving hearts and their self-righteousness is all exposed. All because Jesus changed his life. He was cast out of the synagogue. You know, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. It means you're disowned by your family. You'd be ruined financially because you're tied in with the community for work and charity. You'd be demonized spiritually. 
You'd be banished from work. Now the best day ever just became the worst day ever, all because of Christ. All because he told the truth. This is his first day as a Christian, and it's the worst day of his life. At least when he was blind, people would help him and welcome him in and show him, but now he's out. He's out. Wow. I wonder, has Jesus ever ruined one of your days? Has it been all Jesus' fault? Has he complicated your life? Because of him, did you know you had to break off a relationship that meant a lot to you? Because of him, did you have to make some financial decisions that made it hard because you were doing what is right? Because of him, did you lose some friends or was a relationship strained because you told someone the truth when no one else was? Like, has he really complicated your life? Has he ruined one of your days? He just ruined this guy's life by giving him his sight back. How would that feel? How would this blind man feel? Is he wondering, why did this even happen? Maybe I shouldn't have even gotten my sight. That just, they kicked me out. Well, the good news is Jesus finds him again. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, He hadn't seen Jesus yet. Because Jesus sent him away, he went and washed, and then he came back and he saw. So he hadn't really, so like Jesus came back up, and he didn't really recognize that this is the guy who gave him back his sight. It's just another guy who walks up, and he's like, hi, nice to meet you, how are you? He's like, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now the Son of Man, that's drawn from the book of Daniel. It's a title for the Messiah. It's the deliverer who would come into the world, who would eventually rule forever. It's called the Son of Man. So when Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He means the promised Messiah who would come into the world. All right. And in verse 36, he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Rarely would Jesus directly tell someone who he is. He did it to the woman at the well. He did it on trial. It was vague. It was covered up. And here he discloses himself. This guy got kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus finds him down and he's like, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he that I might believe in him? You've seen him and he is the one who's talking to you. In other words, the one that you somehow have heard about throughout all your childhood, the deliverer who would come in and one day will rule forever, he's standing right in front of you and you're looking at him. You're looking at him with your own eyes. Wow. Verse 38. How would he respond? He said, Well, they just kicked me out of the synagogue because of you. My parents wouldn't even tell the truth about me. I just lost everything. Thanks a lot, Jesus. That's not how he responded. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He said, Lord. It's a title of God. I believe that you're the promised deliverer and ruler and Messiah. And he worshipped him. He fell down, he worshipped him. Jesus received worship from people. Angels would, the book of Revelation, you bow down before an angel, get up, get up, get up, get up. Don't worship me, worship God. Jesus let people worship him. This guy understood. 
He was changed. He was different. He was new. Do you, do you have a point in your life when that happened? When Jesus did something, looked upon you, reached into your life, showed you that you needed to be washed of your sin. You responded by faith, repented of your sins. You saw Jesus as the light of the world and knew you couldn't see God without him. And then you responded by faith and you were saved. Has that happened? Has it happened in your life where you, after hearing the truth about Jesus, bow down before him and said, Lord, I believe and worshiped him? Has that happened in your life? That's when your eyes are opened. That's when you can finally see God. I can tell you for me, it was when I was in college. I was this long-haired, punk, heavy metal drummer. I had gone to church maybe twice a year growing up. Meant nothing to me. Knew the basics, but as a high school student, couldn't have told you the difference between the Old and the New Testament. And then as a freshman in college, my buddy... Andy, who was in the band with me, invited me to come out to church with him. It was the first time I really, truly heard the gospel proclaimed, that Jesus is the light of the world. You can't see God without him. You have to look upon him, wash, and you can see. It's the first time I had heard that. And I remember one night after months and months of all this storing up, I remember just falling beside my bed and just praying, Lord Jesus, I believe you came into the world to save sinners like me. I'm a sinner, and I confess my sins and I want you to come into my life and save me. I remember that. And people knew I was different after that. I mean, shortly thereafter, I, at the breakfast table for the first time in my life, I just opened my Bible. I'd never done devotions in my life. Didn't even know where to read. I was a little afraid of the Old Testament. It seemed like God was angry back then, so I just kind of went into the New Testament and uh, just took some safe books like John and read through them and didn't really know what I was reading. I just did it. And, uh, and my dad came downstairs one day and saw me reading my Bible, eating my frosted flakes. When your kids act different, you notice. He just kind of walked by a few times. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just reading my Bible. He said, kids your age don't read the Bible. What are you doing reading the Bible? Are you in a cult? <laughs> Not in a cult, I'm just reading the Bible. He's different. Right? But then I had the joy a few years later. Out of nowhere, in, at the end of a church service, my dad gets up and walks down the aisle. He gets saved and baptized. So then I'm starting to see him do things, and I'm like, he's different. You know when your parents are different. He's acting funny. He's different. My grandma got saved. My mom got saved. You can see the life change. And it starts when you realize <clears throat> that you were born into, wor into a world that was immersed in darkness. Therefore, you were blind to the realities of God. You couldn't even know your true reality until the light of the world came down. This is a bold claim that Jesus makes. He's saying, you can't see without him. You can't see God without him. You can't see yourself without him. You can't see your purpose in this life without him. It's only when you bow before him and say, Lord, I believe that you get your spiritual sight. And he proved it by healing this man born blind from birth. 
He gave this man more than a physical miracle. See, he could have just sent him on his way and said, hey, enjoy your new eyes, right? What good would that have been? He showed back up to make sure this guy understood the spiritual truth, and he did. So this is the question Jesus now has for each one of us in the room. It says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Write this down. Answer the question, do you believe? The light of the world, you've got to look at him to see, and then you'll tell people your life has changed, even though it brings conflict and opposition. But Jesus asks this question at the end of it all. Do you believe? Do you believe? And are you willing to accept what comes to you for your belief? Jesus goes on to say this. He says in verse 37, Jesus said to him, You have seen me, it is he who is speaking to you. Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said, This is kind of a funny, Jesus is talking to this man, and I kind of envisioned the Pharisees like following him, you know, like, What's he doing now? He's talking to that blind man again. We're going to get him. Some of the Pharisees who were near spot Jesus talking to this man again, right? And he says, For judgment I've come into this world that those who do not see may see, that's the blind man, and that those who see may become blind. Who do you think that is? Those who think they can see without the light of the world. Those who say he's a sinner and we don't need him to see, we can see fine all by ourselves. Those who say they can see without the light of the world, Jesus came to prove their blindness. And how pathetically blind these men proved to be throughout this day. As they're interrogating this this man who has had the awesomest thing happen to him, and they're like, you weren't born blind. Yes, I was. Well, Jesus didn't do it. Yes, he did. Well, get out of here. You're a dirty sinner. How blind they were to what God was doing in their sight. Jesus showed it to other people. Look at how blind they are. Look at how heartless they are. Look at how godless they are. He proved it. I've come that those who cannot see can see, and those who can see would become blind. He divides the world in half. Jesus divides the world in half. He says, it's for judgment that I came into the world. Wait a minute. I thought gentle Jesus, the good shepherd. I thought, the, I thought Jesus came in to bring peace. My Savior with baby soft hands who's there to take me through every trial. For judgment I came into the world. He divides the world in half. It's as if he's saying, this group over here, you say you can see without me. I'm going to prove to everyone around you throughout the course of your life how blind and heartless and unkind and godless you really are because you don't have me. This group over here, you know your need. You're like that poor beggar who knew he needed someone to give him his sight. Because of your humble repentance where you went and washed away, I'll give you your sight. And I'll show you myself and God and the wonders of his word and your purpose in this life for the rest of your life. And you get to be with me forever. Two groups. Which one are you in? See, because those around you in the world will tell you, you can find God in many different ways. You can believe many different things and still get to the same place. You don't need the light of the world to truly see. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to prove you wrong throughout your life and forever. Or you can be in the group that says, I'm filthy, I'm coated in mud, I need to wash and I need the light of the world. As I look upon Jesus, I need him to show me the realities of God. You get to see. Which group are you in? Do you believe? Do you believe? Have you admitted your blindness? 
Have you looked at your darkness? Have you understood your need to wash the guilt away? Jesus says in verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? What an insult! He just called us blind, spiritually. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, meaning you admitted your blindness, you would have no guilt. See, so blindness is spiritual guilt. But now that you say we see, meaning we see without you, your guilt remains. He convicts them of self-righteousness. We can see the realities of heaven alone, and we don't need anyone to help us wash away our sin. He's like, your guilt remains. Your guilt remains. Hey, here's the truth, and I want to know if you believe it. Jesus said he's the light of the world. He said, I'm the light of the world. Those who follow me will walk in the light, not in the darkness. Do you believe that? Do you believe that without the light of the world, you can't see God? Do you believe that without Christ, you can't understand the truth about God? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way your eyes can open up to the person of God and your purpose in this life? Are you at the point where you have said, Lord, I believe, or is God driving you to that position this morning? We have people who come to this church every week who don't have eternity settled. They go to bed at night wondering if they're going to heaven. I've been there. Up until I got saved in college, I distinctly remember laying awake at night, looking up at the ceiling, saying, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. If I don't get it tomorrow, I don't know where I'm going. I know what that's like. And I'm just saying, if that's foggy at all to you, if you don't know for sure if the Lord would welcome you into his kingdom, maybe Christ is here today standing in front of you saying, hey, 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 go wash, open your eyes, I can make you see. Maybe he's calling you to repentance, to leave your sins, your filth behind. Maybe he's calling you to finally look and see who he said he really is and by him to see the eternity of God. Maybe he's calling you today to repent. Listen, I just want you to understand that when the Bible lays out these truths, there's a very stern demand that you respond. Uh, In the word of God, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today. And today you are hearing his voice. And I'm speaking especially to those of you who have been putting it off maybe for decades. Listen, you might not get another week. God may, God may be saying this is your last chance. Go and wash or you'll die and be apart from me forever. This is it. And I'm just saying that if Christ is in your heart, if he's looking upon you and calling you to go and wash and to open your eyes so that you can see, this is his way of showing you his love. This is the light of the world coming down into your darkness to hopefully get you out and into his glorious light. And I just want you to take this seriously and I want to give you a chance to respond. Listen, you're a blind, helpless sinner. You can't save yourself. All you can do is obey by faith and trust the Lord Jesus and he gives you sight. It's a miracle. It's a spiritual miracle. Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to thank you for reaching down into my life so many years ago as I was blind and poor, sinful. 
Thank you, Lord, that you saw me when I wasn't even looking at you. And thank you that though I was filled with sin, rebellious and deceptive, worthy of hell, thank you that you would approach me and give me the opportunity to go wash and see. Uh, Lord, I just praise you for your grace. And I think of all those here in this room who don't know that, who don't know your love, who can't see yet, uh, whether because of fear or self-righteousness or sin, they don't have a personal awareness of God in their lives. Maybe they've even wondered where you've been all their life. And, and now you're showing them that you've been trying to show them yourself through Christ. And Lord, I just pray for those who are feeling your spirit convict them of sin, uh, who are feeling, they know that feeling of being in darkness, of just not knowing what this world's all about or where this world will lead them when they pass along. Father, I pray that they would hear the same call this blind man heard, go and wash and you will see. I pray that they would believe the same truth this blind man heard, that Jesus is the light of the world, the only hope of us finding our way back to the Father. And I just want to give them a chance to pray along with me right now, just a sincere prayer in their own hearts, saying something like this, Father in heaven, I've lived in darkness for far too long. I've loved the darkness for far too long. But now I look upon your glorious light in your Son. Now I see the truth that you sent. And now I see your power to heal me and my spirit. And here and now I repent of my sins and call upon you through your Son to give me my sight, to show me who you are. And I pray that you would give me the assurance that I'll be with you in glorious light forever that I will not be cast out into the darkness. I pray that you would help me to find new hope and joy as I see things as you see them. And give me courage to be a witness to all who are around me of what you've done in my heart. Father, for those who prayed along with me here, show them that your love for them is the same as your love for your son and your son's love for this blind man. Show them you'll never leave them and never forsake them. One day their faith will become sight. We pray this in Jesus' name.